0: everyone and welcome back to the star jelly files now that you have heard how things began how hum set things in motion it is time to move on to other letters from other beacons and beings who are tied into this tangle of strings hum didn't necessarily make a lot of friends when he released the first anchor from earth but he also made a few allies the same can be said for the other beacons as they released their anchors and visited the other worlds that played a part in the anchor's history As I mentioned before, the universe is shifting, but now that it is moving again, we can start to look at where it is going and what doors have been opened. Not all worlds hope to hide and remain hidden. A great many wish to open communications and share their stories, and some really hope to share their opinions about a few things too, some in subtle ways, others more directly. Today's letter is from a beacon named Vi. Her side of things were sent to me in a jelly jar made of glass and wrapped in silver twine, the paper inside made of thick woven paper that is soft as fabric. Like Hum's story, I have taken Vi's story and translated it for your world. Her language is much more to the point, and thus I have had to leave less out about her account of things. Vi's story is also about the removal of an anchor but more so about her journey to meet the beings she met while removing it. The anchor vi removed and released back into the stars was located on a planet in a galaxy Earth has not explored yet. Your scientists call it the M104 galaxy, a galaxy shaped like a disc made of brown, green, and gold stardust. The planets in this galaxy are very old in the grand scheme of things, and the beings that live there are even more so. Getting there is not always a simple task, but it is worth it. All of the beacons like to make a stop on these worlds when we are in the area, because they are where the universal libraries are located. Unlike on Earth, the removal of the anchor that was performed in secret, in the quiet, the removal in this sector was a historical event to be recorded and observed. Letter from Vi with regards to her journey to the Mantis library world Dear Astra, I write to report that everything went as expected on the mantis world. No surprises to report or recount for the most part, but I understand from Hum that you will be sharing this report out to some new beings, so I will try and extend my explanations of things more than usual so you can pick and choose what you might find useful. I haven't actually checked in with the rest of the council yet about the whole project, so I am going on Hum's word that this will be enough information for you. It may be worth having the Council send out a notice to everyone instead of having us play telephone with each other, hoping the message stays the same. We both know it won't, especially with the messengers you are choosing to use. Anyway, here are the details about the removal of the anchor on the library world. I am not confident that you will be able to translate the actual name of the planet into an Earth language, so I will just call it that. You know where I was, and that is good enough for me. I was standing on the edge of the cliffs of my home world when the signal came through from Hum that it was time. Like you, I had known that the Council had approved the decision, but I was still in a small state of shock that the execution of the idea had happened so quickly. We are not usually this efficient. Bert arrived soon after the signal with the news that Hum had already released the anchor on Earth, and that we were now ready for our part of things. I was surprised that Bert had shown up instead of Hum. I think he is still a little afraid to work with me after last time. He should be, so it was probably the right decision. Only I find it hard to believe that Bert actually wanted to leave her posts and travel again. But who am I to turn her away if she wants to join our travels? She seemed okay. The only thing that seemed to throw her off a little is how different I look. I have not worn my original form in a very long time, but she is one of the few of us that had not seen me since the change. I still wear the lace bracelet with blue buttons, and my eyes are still the same dark grey, but the silver spots that now run up and down my arms and the orange feather-like hair were probably a little bit of a shock. We really should have a council meeting in person soon, so everyone can get to know each other again. Regardless, I took her company, and we made our way to the mantis world. I was not worried about the mission. Their world was the least likely to have any negative effect from the removal of the anchor, If anything, they would probably already be setting up the equipment to document the event. What I was slightly worried about was crossing through the fog between their world and the outer edge of their galaxy. I don't know if you remember, but even though they are friendly, that does not mean that they leave their front door open for just anyone to come and visit. It had been a long while since I had to follow the old ways and introduce myself to their galaxy. It didn't take long for Bert and me to get to the edge of the galaxy, and to the shore that separates their world from everyone else. We were standing on the shore listening to the voices when I heard the first skitter of rocks come from beyond the fog. Bert was laying on the dock a few feet away from me, staring up into the giant willow trees. I don't know if you remember, but the trees still have purple trunks and white, wispy branches that surrounded most of the lake, creating curtains around secret hideaways. Her feet dangled over the edge of the run down dock, the shoelaces of her bright red sneakers gracing the top of the water, sending ripples out across the silver surface of the lake. I was pacing back and forth when Bert gave me a look of irritation, asking me in her own way to stop. I began walking towards Bert. She looked at me with a bored expression on her face that did not quite hide the tension she was holding in her arms and back as she pretended to lounge. I am pretty sure she was nervous too. The black mirrored stones of the shore shifted beneath my feet as I walked. They made small clattering sounds as they bumped into each other. I sat on the edge of the dock and pulled the strings of my sweatshirt tighter around my face. The dock creaked beneath my weight. It probably wasn't safe to sit there. Link had long ago left his post and left the surrounding landscape to fade. We had been waiting for hours, and I agreed with Bert that this was not the most comfortable place to wait. Tall, gray grass sat beyond the hidden hollows of the trees and stretched on for miles in an endless meadow. From within the grass and the trees, voices whispered out names and asked us questions. I still agree with Hum's statement that when you are as old as we are, they whisper old names that you haven't used for centuries, and ask you questions about things you stopped thinking about. It can be stressful, annoying, especially if you are trying to forget certain things. We had been waiting for about two hours. Two hours is a long time, but I didn't want to give in to Bert or the voice's tension. I know the shore can be unsettling to most, but it never truly unsettled me. Just annoyed me. Looking at this world, some may be deceived by its simplicity, and I wonder how other beings will view it when they see it for the first time. A world made completely of white, gray, and black tones, brilliant white stars gleaming in the sky against the deepest black of space, reflecting back billions of times in the black, glassy stones that make up the shore. The only sounds are that of the wind and of the water. Most think this lake is an unpleasant place to sit. Much to Bert's disapproval, I secretly enjoy the bite of the cool autumn breeze that whips at my back, and the smell of crisp apples that occasionally escapes from the other shore. I can never find the apple trees, no matter how or when I have looked, but the smell of them is a comfort. They remind me of home and of time spent with friends. Bert continued to look at me, a wry smile growing on her face. I think she could tell what I was thinking about. She has always been very good at that, figuring out what you were thinking, even if you aren't talking. I looked up and towards the other side of the shore. I had been occasionally catching glimpses of color from the other side of the dense fog that divides the lake in half, a vivid set of blue eyes to the right, a deep green shirt to the left, a lock of purple hair a distance away. Bert followed my gaze to see what had caught my attention. Her forehead creased in thought, like me, she had not made any move to approach the fog. We were going to wait for our invitation, even if that was considered an old-fashioned move. Seeing other beings at that junction point is not rare. That junction is a place of meditation, of healing. Most who go there to study spent an eternity staring into the fog, listening to the voices and hoping for enlightenment. Many travelers use the passageways. What was new, though, and probably something you should look into, Astra, is that they are trying to study us. Usually we are ignored directly addressed or waved to, not examined, not peered at from the other side of the shore without any interaction. Suddenly, there was the sound of a thud behind Bert and I. Bert and I jumped as something landed at the edge of the water by our dock, pulling our attention away from our audience. At the edge of the water, a grappling hook was buried deep within the rocks, a frayed silver rope attached to its end. The hook appeared to be leading back to the other shore, Both the hook and rope emitted a soft humming sound and a silver light that temporarily broke through the murkiness of the shore. We were finally being invited in. I am not sure what took so long for them to come and get us, but they had finally showed up. Bert and I both stepped into the shallows of the water and took hold of the rope that had been sent to us and began to follow its lead into the fog at the water's edge each step leading us away from the voices and our observers and through the heavy air that began to envelop us. Eventually we came to the door, the door that would take us through to our destination. It stood tall amongst the willow trees that sat at its side. Their purple peeling bark making the starkness of the door feel strange and out of place in their company. The obsidian stones that framed the door reflected the night back at us. The shining black archway and door could have seemed cold or unforgiving and often did to those who had never seen it before. But the hundreds of stars that reflected and winked across its surface always make me feel like it is saying hello. The warm light of the stars called to us. It is important to note here that the door may not actually be a door, but simply a visual aid the mantis beings use to help us enter their world. Others may see something different, but every beacon I have always asked described the same door to me. I stepped forward and reached out to press my palm to the center of the door. The archway gave a great shiver. And the cold that radiated from it seeped into my hand and up my arm as the warmth from my body was pulled into the dark stones. The door began to vibrate as it pulled my energy from me, as it determined if I was allowed to enter or not. And when the stone had drunk its fill, I heard a small click. The door went suddenly still and swung away from my hand. I pushed the now-open door further inward and stepped over the threshold. Bert followed close behind and closed the door behind us. No need to let the voices follow us so easily if they could be avoided. I heard the lock click back into place. The sound echoed around us with finality. The crisp smell of apples was the first thing to wash over me. It helped to calm my nerves about what came next. Although I know we voted to move forward, Much like Hum and Bert, I am nervous about moving forward with this plan. Big changes are always a cause for nerves on some level. Our journey through the door, much like any of the beacons I imagine, started with a field of fog and silence. The denseness and dullness of the senses that pressed upon me as if it were alive. It probably is alive. A gatekeeper to ensure that only those that belong actually make it into our realm and ultimately to the library. I expected to spend the briefest of moments unable to see or feel anything, not even myself. So I stood there with my eyes closed, enjoying the silence, and how smell seemed to be the only thing that could make it through the dense fog to my senses. After a few deep breaths, I opened my eyes expecting to see the path leading forward to materialize in front of us. But it wasn't. The fog was still there. The silence was still there stubbornly preventing our surroundings from materializing. My heart rate picked up. I glanced at Bert to see if she was experiencing the same problem. Her look of concern told me yes. I haven't had trouble visualizing the path since I had first become a beacon, thousands of years ago. And after talking to Bert, the same goes for her. I cautiously took a small step forward. Maybe if we started walking, it would jumpstart the process, and make the fog behave once it knew our intention Was to actually move forward. Once it knew that even though we hadn't been there in a while, that we still belonged there, still knew the way. Nothing happened, nothing except me walking around in circles in the fog, growing increasingly frustrated that I couldn't go forward, nor could I go back. The obsidian door had disappeared just like everything else, and we were left standing in an endless, empty space. I stamped my foot in frustration, causing a shiver to run up my leg, but no sound to ripple around me. The quiet was becoming oppressive as my anxiety added to its pressure. I sat down in frustration and sat cross-legged on the non-existent floor. I needed to calm down. Bert put her hand on my shoulder and told me to take a deep breath. Panicking wouldn't get us anywhere. A clear head was what we needed. I sometimes forget how old she is, but in that moment her age was showing in her eyes. A deep golden gaze that told me to relax and all would be fine. I sat and closed my eyes again to block out the pressures of not being able to see my surroundings and allowed the smell of apples to overtake my mind. The familiar smell began to slow my heart rate and with each deep breath I began to feel myself lighten, began to feel the anxiety leave me. A voice sounded out in the distance, a sarcastic voice, whispering, Are you taking a nap? My eyes flew open and I whipped my head to the left towards the sound of the voice. Bert had come back to her feet and had turned to face the voice as well, a smile beginning to play across her face. I don't know why she was smiling. All semblance of calm left me and was quickly replaced by a flash of anger. Having a voice suddenly appear out of complete silence is in no way a relaxing experience, nor is the knowledge that a so-called friend had been watching me panic about not being able to move forward. The only thing I wanted to do in that moment was yell at him. So I did. I yelled out into the fog, how long have you been watching me? I know you probably think I was overreacting. I couldn't see anyone as expected, just the fog, but he was obviously there. I could hear the laughter in his voice even though I couldn't see him, and he could hear me. The fog was lifting if we could hear each other talk. I took a step closer towards the sound, or at least where I thought his voice was coming from. I peered into the emptiness attempting to get a glimpse of him. I could feel a flush of embarrassment rise into my cheeks at the thought of another beacon seeing me panic when the fog wasn't lifting. Even if no one could see me panic, they would have felt my fear. It was not the time to come off as scared or weak. If Link was there, there could be other less friendly visitors hiding in plain sight. I didn't think Link would let anyone try and harm me, and I knew Bert would never let anyone harm any of us, but that didn't mean I wanted to start a fight either. New beginnings are not a time for fighting or arguments. Laughter escaped the fog again as I continued to look around, along with another sarcastic statement, something about how there were no assassins hiding out to capture us, just some company for the journey forward. Then Link was suddenly there. His bright golden eyes with smile lines that encircled the edges suddenly became visible just in front of me, as if they had simply popped into existence in that moment. His soft, luminescent form soon joined them, and a tall, rounded figure made of soft purple light stood before me. No details but the eyes were clear, but it was definitely Link. The energy that radiated from him was an all-consuming feeling of joy and humor, and that couldn't be any other being but him. That energy is the signature that defines who he is, even when he isn't maintaining a physical form. I had forgotten, if only briefly, what it was like to be around the other beacons when they were not dressed to blend in, to be in a place where physical form wasn't required and where I didn't have to hold myself together to look a certain way. The longer I stared, the more of him came into existence. A pair of old welding goggles briefly appeared on top of his forehead, a bright red t-shirt and bell-bottom jeans upon his body, iridescent silver scales on his arms, and wild black hair atop his head. Each item was a piece of his life on different worlds. Pieces of lives he particularly enjoyed or learned something from. He was flashing each to me as a way to further identify himself, but also as a signal for what type of mood he was in, a signal about what type of things he was currently thinking about. Some of the lives I recognized. The welding goggles and jeans were items he wore when I trained with him as an apprentice in the Eighth Realm. The black hair and scales were less familiar, although I have always suspected they were from his life before he became a beacon. What I did know was that if he was wearing his welding goggles, he was in a problem-solving type of mood, but I wasn't sure yet what problem he was trying to solve. I wasn't surprised to see Link there. This was the world he was last stationed on, but I was surprised that he hadn't told me ahead of time that he would be there. I am not sure if he told you or Hum, but my guess is he didn't. Without any further discussion, we began walking forward through the fog, and my senses started to find the world beyond it. Our hosts were waiting for us, and we did not want to be too late. With each step, I could feel my shoes start to sink deeper into the soft dirt that made up the path, and could feel the cool breeze blowing off the lake and across my cheeks. With each step, I also began to let go of the pieces of myself that I did not need there. My physical form simply began to fade away, and was replaced by the glowing pink form that I usually represented myself with. When I am on a world that does not require a physical form... Bert had also shifted back to her golden form. The three of us moved forward, a grouping of floating clouds for all anyone else could tell, but the mantis beings would recognize us. We floated in silence for a while, until we came to the crest of a hill, and the city came into view. Some beings would not call it a city, by the way it looked, but we knew better. Between the branches of the willow trees, I could also see the lake off to our left, the three moons of the world reflecting in its surface with a strong silver light. It made it so we could see everything around us. To our right, the golden lights of very tall, green stone buildings twinkled in the darkness, and I could smell the faint scent of wood smoke drifting through the air from the chimneys. I glanced at the ground, and then back up at the buildings. The combination of soft dirt and tall city buildings always seemed a little strange to me. Most worlds cover their ground with stone but the mantis beings take a more natural approach to the land they choose to walk on. I could see them, waiting for us at the center of the circle their buildings made, the giant anchor sitting with them in the middle of their city, a monument constructed the last time the universe was changed. The anchor looked the same as it does everywhere. A large silver anchor encased in a large reflective black glass stone, the strings that tied the anchor to its grounding point out in space, a matching glowing silver but this one also had a small silver plaque next to it stating the day, time, and reason it had been put there. The crowd around the anchor was small, but looked big. They are tall beings that reflect the form of their name. I understand you are translating this for Earth, and it is pretty accurate to say that they look like the praying mantis creatures of that planet. Well, kind of. They are much taller, in the range of ten feet or so and they stand upright rather than crouched down to the ground. They are a kind group of beings who spend most of their time collecting information about the universe to include it in their research and libraries, and in the research of healing. But they are also very loud and fun, always good for a joke or to spend the day doing silly things, great senses of humor. I realized as I started floating down the other side of the hill and towards them how much I had missed visiting them and spending my days learning from their experiences from their civilization that has seen so many other planets grow and age. As we drew in closer to the city center, the number in attendance seemed to grow. The ten or so mantis beings that had been waiting for us was rapidly turning into hundreds of them. Hundreds of mantis beings circled around the anchor, the rainbow spectrum of their robes bringing a vibrant light to the landscape that is normally the green and purple city. They had begun leaving their buildings, their libraries, and surrounding the anchor once they had seen us approaching, so they could observe what would happen next. I had contacted them ahead of time as a courtesy, and they had decided to document the event in the ways that they do. Pictures, videos, holograms, witnesses. I found out later that they had actually made the day a day off for everyone, so anyone who wanted could witness this historic event, or so they call it. Once at the city center, we took a few moments to exchange our pleasantries and hellos, And the time to embrace old friends and ask if they needed anything from us before we moved forward. They didn't need or want anything, but to get started. The excitement of the group that now encircled me and the anchor rippled through the air. I couldn't even hear the vibration that the anchor usually sends out because the crowd was so loud. Bert, Link, and I were all smiling. This was one of the worlds where they understood the magic that can come from removing the veil, and that embraces that excitement. But in the end, the event was quick. I first asked Link and Bert if either of them wanted to be the ones who removed the anchor. After all, they are my superiors on the council and should have the right to remove it if they prefer. They both said no. I took a quick moment to check the string of the hook, to see if it was moving. Just like with Hum's account, someone was already pulling on it. I ignored this at Hum's recommendation, reached out, and touched the anchor to release it from the stone. I couldn't hear the clink as it was released and began floating away. The cheering from the crowd was too loud, but it did float away, just the same. I half expected the beings who had been pulling on the string to appear then. After all, the mantis world is not like Earth. They are very familiar with other worlds and beings, and often interact with them. They didn't appear, though, and Link said we should just move on with our day. They would appear when they were ready. So we took some time and celebrated with the crowd. We accepted congratulations and questions and requests for pictures. We also decided to stay for the evening meal so we could catch up with old friends. Overall, it was a good evening. Except for one thing. As we were all making our way away from the city center and towards the feasting area that is by the lake, I noticed a being, not a mantis, leaning against one of the library doors. At first, it didn't concern me. Many beings visit the mantis world to learn, but they were staring at me, at Link and Bert and me, with such an intent that I could feel their eyes follow me. I stopped Bert and Link and asked them to take a look to make sure I wasn't wrong about who it was. I wanted to be wrong, but I wasn't. It was Clara. She is there, Astra, and it will need to be dealt with soon. You will need to deal with it soon. The mantis beings either didn't notice our distress or chose to ignore it until we chose to talk about it. Link said we should also ignore Clara unless she approached us. So we did, and the rest of the night went well except for my growing unease. Clara did not follow us or approach us, but I don't think that will last long. I hope this is what you needed. Love, Vi. P.S. In my next letter, I will let you know about the changes that have been made to the libraries which are significant. Also, the mantis beings would like to send you a letter to share with Earth. I think you should share theirs before Lynx, but I will leave that up to you. I agree with Vi. I will have to address Clara soon, in that it would be a good idea to share a letter from the mantis beings, as well as a few others. But I don't know if those will be the next ones I share. I think we might need to go back a few steps before we move forward. Bert hasn't really had her say about things yet. Tune in next week for another letter from another beacon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Jelly Files podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you are having a great day. The Star Jelly Files is written, produced, voice acted, and created by me, Elizabeth Hamblett. If you would like to support the podcast and gain access to bonus content, check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com starjellyfiles. The link is also in the description.